Is there a law against your dog humping other dogs at a dog park? Technically, no. I don't see a crime there. Good. I, I see a, a failure of a human being <laughs> to control his animal to the satisfaction of other human beings with regards to their animals. Is that a crime? No. Hello and welcome to Here in L.A., Hollywood Edition. This is our eighth episode, and we are in the backyard of William Campbell's beautiful home. William's a cyclist, a writer, a Dodger fan, a husband, and a friend of the animals. William's going to tell us what it's like walking the streets of Hollywood alone as a 10-year-old, what it was like moving to Beverly Hills, and how a native feels about the Hollywood and Highland shopping complex. But hide your stash, friends. This man just happens to be a cop. And because of that, he's got a few things to say about our guest from episode two, William G. So sit back and relax. You're going to want to stick around for all of this. Talking with William C. (laughs) You can use my last name if you want. William Campbell. There you go. We are in uh, William Campbell's spacious backyard. This is one of the best backyards I've been in. You're kind. William Campbell, you're a cop. I'm an animal cop, yeah, that's, that's correct. So I'm a humane officer with the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty uh, to Animals Los Angeles, SPCALA. Which I would say is probably a type of a cop that, that gets love from everybody. Unlike uh, the other types of, the traditional cops. It's a, it's an interesting dynamic because when I'm when I'm investigating something when I'm knocking on a door based on a complaint we receive that you're you know the the owner of that animal is tying up their dog against the law or beating that dog or something like that uh, I'm suited up in a blue uniform uh, you know body armor weapon. body armor oh yeah we, we you know I'm I'm an armed level one peace officer why do you have body armor then because if you were to see me in uniform. From a distance, it's a dark blue uniform. I, I kind of look like an LAPD officer. Do you have a badge? A badge, gun. You got stripes? Handcuffs. No, I'm not a sergeant yet. I'm still, I've been doing this now close to eight years, but I'm still just a damn, you know, beat cop. My, my supervisor doesn't, doesn't think I qualify to be a corporal <laughs> or a sergeant, so that's okay. What's your supervisor's title? He's captain. Oh, so you, 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 you report to the boss boss. Uh, well, he's my boss. Yeah, the captain of the department, and okay. and and as opposed to LAPD, where there's ten thousand officers, SPCALA's uh, roster is me and my captain. There's two two humane officers at SPCALA. For the whole county? We we do cover the entirety of Los Angeles County as best we can. So we're talking from Long Beach to the Valley. We go out to Lancaster, Palmdale. Two we, people. My my captain and myself, and 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 part of that is because SPCALA we're not a government organization, we're a nonprofit, been around since 1877. So we're not, you know, um, our recruitment, we're not exactly high on the radar of people that are trying to be police officers. You know, some of them would be like, well, maybe I'll be a humane officer for a little bit and and then lateral to a department, but recruitment is difficult, you know, because number two, humane officers don't get paid what you know, regular police officers get paid. So it's wait. A, you're not making one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Not in it for the money. Nonprofit. 
I work for a nonprofit, so you know I'm not making that money. You know I'm in it because I love the to to help animals and and all that because it ain't about cha-ching. I want your car. I want your car. Give me your fucking car. Give me your car. Are you kidding me? I asked for your car. Give me your car. Give me your fucking car. Give me your fucking car. And listening to your interview with with William G. Yeah, I was sitting there saying, I bet he would, you know, if he could, if he could like a cop, whether it's a full fledged PD, sheriff's deputy, or an animal cop, I bet he would like me, because I'm not the guy that's going to have tape over my name badge. Right. You ask for my card. I'm already giving you my card. <laughs> you want to film me? Can you get my good side? Can, can you can you not get my chin, my double chin? You know, because I understand, I appreciate the rights and the res- the responsibilities that come with that position and the rights of the public to be informed and protected and served. Now, you, you talk about me being a cop. Obviously, that was a late career choice. I was in publishing and editing up until 2011 when I told my last job to shove it because they sucked. Oh, you've only been doing this for 10 years? Not even to, I, I went through the academy at Rio Hondo in 2012. So so hold up. So eight quick. years. Hold up. You have to go through the police academy. I the, had to go through a, yeah, I, I can't go through LAPD's academy because that's proprietary. Only LAPD officers go through LAPD. So there are public academies operated at educational institutions. There's Rio Hondo College. There's one down in Orange County at Golden West College. There's one at Fullerton College. So I went to Rio Hondo in Whittier. Is, but it's it, a it's a it's a complete basic academy where I am trained and prepared to enter the field as a as a. Is officer. there is there a physical test too? Like oh you, shit yeah, oh so, shit yeah. And, I had and to, that's what I'm bringing up. Yeah. You're not 21 years old. No. Now no. obviously you're in good shape because you're you're I taking was. these crazy I was bike in better rides. Better shape than I was, you know. But but yeah, you but know. still you're not you're not at yeah. your peak performance. Right. We're not in the Olympics at 40 whatever years old. 50. <laughs> Thank you. You, you. you you can say no comment on this if you want to, okay. because I get it. You're part of the brotherhood. Mm. Although I don't see a uh, a thin blue line flag nah. anywhere around I here. Don't, I don't do that. I got um, a Dodgers flag in the front. Yes, you do. Um, <laughs> William posed the idea that there's no good reason for the police to be on horseback. I said the only good reason is intimidation. True. He's saying that it's un- impractical because True. it's not like you can True. do a lot. In fact, you might be at a disadvantage being a, on True. a horse because yep. it's not like you're going to leave the horse right. um, untied or anything like that. Like, right. Would you agree that, that, that it's a curious it thing? Is a, it is an anachronistic way of policing. It is an old school. Now, coincidentally, when I worked in Sparklets two lives ago, I... One of my customers was like one of the original horse cops, Joe Dirks. He was at that point he was probably like eighty years old, taking care of but D E R K S. D I R C K S. Okay, great. Lived in, in uh, Atwater Village. Oh, and really? um so so he, he he was like, you know, just this god in LAPD circles. Yeah. But William G's absolutely right. Is that num- number well, number one. You know, in terms of confining the horse properly, if like the cop has to jump off and go after something, those horses are really well trained. Those horses do not scare. They do not. You know, that they are really. They've got nerves of steel. What What if I jumped on the horse after the cop ran away? Would it buck me off? 
It knows that I'm a Probably bad guy? Not. Probably Really? Not. I don't think they're trained to accept specific people. Note to self. <laughs> I want to see that video. I want to see that slow speed pursuit going through Hollywood. Slow? Is that Tony P That one horsepower pursuit going through Hollywood. <laughs> I'm going to see what this horse can do. I grew up in the woods, I, I man. I will no comment on that. But, I grew but, up in the suburbs. But but William G. is right. When when you look at, historically, you know, a white man, and it doesn't have to be a white man on a horse. <laughs> LAPD is very diverse. Yes, it is. But a uniformed armed officer on the back of a of a equine. Yeah. You know, if you're a black man in America or a black woman in America, and you're looking up at that, what are you flashing back to? What are you thinking about? You're thinking about the foreman, right? You're thinking about the inequality and the and the and the suppression. So so I feel what William G is saying about that. Yeah. Now, is it? And 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 to me, it's entirely for show. Right. It, it they're beautiful horses. Mm -hmm. They are like I said, they're very well trained. The officers are very well trained. They're typically deployed for crowd control situations or ceremonial. To have a beat a horse cop out on the beat on Hollywood Boulevard, it's total show. It's to <laughs> it's total total, you know, looking for that Instagram, you know, moment of of the tourist saying, Wow, look at that. Clop bitty clop clop. Look, the horse just took a dump. <laughs> talk about you being uh 10 years old okay where so, were you when you were 10 years old when i was 10 years old i was in uh that was the transitional year so i started my 10th year or or uh in beverly hills where, where, where in beverly hills the slums right not 90210 we're talking south of wilshire east of la cienega there's a little hold on hold on i'm trying to visualize this Wilshire and La Cienega. Shadow of the Larry Flint building. Did, they, did, did the John Wayne st statue, was that still there? I was living there when that building was built. Wow. Yeah, early 70s. Okay, so um, is Versailles uh, the Cuban place? On, down La Cienega. On For, La Cienega? Further down. Yep. Okay, so I keep going down. Oh, no, the Academy Library is over there. Yep, I was right by where the Academy Library did was. Did you sit in park? park? Yeah. Oh, my God. I, okay. Yeah, played in that park. So okay. that's where I started my, say, my 10th year. All right. Um, as a result... Wait, wait, wait. Of, yes, sir. There, wasn't there uh, a ship's... Uh, ships? Absolutely. A toaster in every booth. Yes. Corner of La Cienega and Olympic. They still, Mom and I took... Mom took me there dozens of times. Which is why I love talking about all these neighborhoods, because... I think the perception of, of particularly Beverly Hills, in people's minds who don't live here and who haven't lived here for a long time, is it's hoity-toity and oh, the the kid grew up in Beverly Hills, he must be full of money, and um, and blah blah blah. But it's it's actually a big place, and there's a lot of diversity. Relatively diverse, absolutely. Um, among finances, among yep. culture, yep. why people are there, yep. what they do, what how they work yep. and and I would say if I even took a picture of that corner yep nobody would ever guess that that's Beverly Hills not that it's bad right but it's not what they it's think it's not it the is. perception the perception right. is the 90210 the perception is the million dollar listing the media creates the myth 
right? Of what Beverly Hills is. It's the Bentleys. It's the it's you know Chris Brown and Drake and where living up in the hills and and the street the Bird Streets and all that. Truesdale, you know. And, and trust me, as someone who lived in Beverly Hills as a child up until I was ten, and then came back and went to high school, you got to know I went to high school after spending a, a fair amount of time in Hollywood. I went under protest. My mom found an apartment and moved us back there. So I went with that attitude. Like, oh my God, this kid just turned 16 and he got a BMW for Christmas. I'm lucky if I get a Hot Wheel. So I went, I went with a super chip as opposed to someone who excelled in school in the junior high I went to in Hollywood. I went back into Beverly and it's like I shut down academically. I Ooh. shut down socially. It took jobs that I got working with nice kids and, and meeting friends that, that actually got me to become semi-human again. What uh, junior high in Hollywood were you in? Oh, the infamous Joseph LeConte. It's called middle school now, back in my day. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> it was uh, uh, LeConte uh, Junior High. Why does that name sound so familiar to me? Well, LeConte has been under a uh, microscope of late um, because he was a traitor and a slave owner and um, and a proponent of white supremacy. Now, on top of all that, he was the co-founder of the Sierra Club and was the first president of the UC University system. So his name, in fact, Berkeley has scrubbed his name off of every building that, the, that was, it was on. Um, LA Unified School District doesn't find a pressing need to rename LeConte Junior High or LeConte Middle School to something else less offensive. Um, but of course, I didn't know that growing up. I just knew he was an environmentalist. It wasn't until a couple years ago that I'm, I'm on the internet and I'm like, dude, he was born on a plantation in Georgia with 200 slaves. He supported the Confederacy without fail. As a Californian, he did some of his greatest work promoting eugenics, espousing the inferiority of African-Americans. Whoops. I've been so upset by it that, of course, I've texted the mayor. I've called the school. Really? I've called the school board. I'm like, what are you guys going to do about it? Crickets. Where's this uh, junior high school at? Yeah, it's where Fountain Dead Ends into Bronson, yeah. and you've got to go around the school right. to go keep going. That's that's Lacan Junior High. Bronson. So I would have to walk home, Hollywood Boulevard, 1974, 1975, down, you know, all the way to Cahuenga, make a left, go up Cahuenga to Franklin to Holly Drive and be home. What I discovered quickly in walking on the south side of Hollywood Boulevard was an infamous place called the Gold Cup. It used, it's now a 7-Eleven, I believe. It was on the corner of Hollywood Boulevard and uh, Las Palmas. And it was uh, immortalized in Jackson Brown's Boulevard. At the which Golden is a, which, Cup. Which is about? Well, it's about Hollywood Boulevard. Again, uh, 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 sharp-eared listeners of this podcast, mm, mm. Um, um, there's a previous episode where we talked to a guy who gives tours of Hollywood. Oh. On the boulevard was written about male prostitutes. Well, the line at the Golden Cup, it was called the Gold Cup, but Jackson Brown wrote it as the Golden Cup. I guess he didn't want to get sued. Mm. They pick the young ones up under the neon lights. They sell day for night. It's all right. So here I am, 10 years old, fifth grade, founder school student, backpack, green shorts, red shirt, whatever. I'm coming home. First time passing the gold cup. 
they had, I call them spotters. They had young hustlers, just like from the Egyptian theater down to the, to the, to the Gold Cup, which is right on the corner. Infamous, like, gay bar, gay coffee house, pedophilia, you know. And, and what, I, what I learned, you know, so, so my first time passing them, all of a sudden these guys, not much older than me, 12, 13. Really? Saying, hey, are you thirsty, kid? You want to come in, get a Coke, get, a, get some? Can I, can I? So they're trying to, the interesting thing about the Gold Cup is that they, they weren't pimped. Most of these hustlers out there worked on their own. But I think they were pimps in training. So I think they were like, if, if fresh meat like me walked by, they were like, oh, I'm going to recruit this kid. Or I'm going to take him in to meet Sugar Daddy inside or whatever. I, I never, I never kind of. You know, because if you'd asked me, I probably had not even heard the word homosexuality at that stage in my life. Although my mother, latchkey mom or, or single mom that she was, she taught me a lot of stuff about what to look out for. And one of those being strangers that approach you offering you stuff. And, and I think it's important to denote yeah. that there's a huge difference between homosexuality absolutely. and pedophilia. Oh, absolutely. Even though there are people out there, yep. homophobics. Yep. Who, who want to equate the They want the to two. tie that together, absolutely. But in this particular instance... This is a subset. It absolutely was pedophilia. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 to, and, yeah. and you could have easily been trapped into this. Right. So my solution, after, like, I think, I think I was dumb enough to try to pass by a second time. And after getting, you know, harassed, and it never, you know, no one ever put hands on me, no one ever did it. But it was just that, you know, you're walking by, and, and it's like, you know, they're, 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 they're kissing at you and they're like, hey, let, let me get you a Coke. Let me, let me, come on, come on inside. Man, how handsome you are. What a, what a handsome young man you are. Yeah. So I crossed to the north side of the street. Yep. Now that didn't help. <laughs> it's kind of like a buffered bike line where it's, bike lane where it's the bike lane and the 4,000 pound vehicles. There's a little space and that's great, but it doesn't stop them because they got spotters on the north side of the street. Was, was that good pizza place over there still? No, back, back then, um, on the opposite corner was uh, Swenson's Ice Cream Shop. No. Yeah. Love that place. Love it. Worked Good there bur- at Beverly Hills when I went to be- high Did school. You? Yeah, I worked Good there. Good burgers where- when you worked there? No, no, Just no. the ice cream. Just ice cream. Okay. Yeah, they'd already, they'd, they'd pared that menu down. So my refuge, if I saw, if I could, you know, scout them ahead of time, I'd dive into the Pickwick Books, which is no longer there. North side of the street, maybe about a block to the west. Pickwick Books, it's one of those things that I cherish and that anyone who who never knew it or never got to experience it, it's their loss because it was a really old school bookstore with three floors and a rickety staircase that went up to the attic. And I would literally go in there for an hour or two and just look at art books. I got an education, it was like a library. And I'd, you know, I'd come down and I'd look out the window and if the coast was clear, I'd duck around the corner and I'd go up to Selma. And that's eventually what happened, is that I, my, my buffer zone became like Selma so that I could avoid it altogether. It, it just really blows my mind that right next to the, um, the Egyptian theater, yep. which, had, which had been there since the 20s, yep. and right next to uh, Pig and Whistle, yeah. which has Pig also been there forever, yep. is this like absolutely corrupt place. Yeah. And, the and, po- and establish. I mean, I mean, long-standing, going back decades. That was the place. That was the place. And I'm sure. I'm. I would love to like go through old, like 
cop records and see what kind of bust they did there. Because you know back in the 40s and 50s and 60s, you know cops were like just rolling in there with their batons and just, you know, just or, cracking people. Or Yes, let's hope. Yeah. Maybe they were business partners. Maybe yeah. they were patrons. You yeah. never, I mean. You never know. You know I grew it's up in very, Chicago, so. Right, right. Obviously, uh, the police and the criminals had yep. a relationship. Exactly. And um, only because it seems like to me back in the day, you couldn't fight the crime. Right. You could be the greatest cop in the world. You were outnumbered. Right. You were outgunned. Yep. And maybe Hollywood was the same way. Yeah. So you just had to make do. You had to confine it. Right. Um, and say, okay, look, you can only have that. But stay away from the 12-year-old kids. Can you give me a break? Yeah. And they didn't give him a break. So no. so when do you remember uh, this on the boulevard place going away? What was the place of this this place called? It's again? called the Gold Cup. The Gold Cup. And it was literally on the, would be the north southwest corner of Las Palmas and Hollywood Boulevard. I don't remember when it closed because by that time I had already been back in away. But but I, I think recently I was thinking about it maybe a month or two ago and I just street viewed it and I saw, oh, it's a 7-Eleven now. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh. You know, I'm sure they cleaned it up and all, but it's still the physical building. It's not cleaned up. I know, but it, but it's still, they didn't tear down the building and build right. up. Right. In, in fact, I, I remember running into, I think I might have even been on an airplane with somebody. And you know how you're just, what do you do? What do you do? Right. And this person said, I put 7-Elevens into Existing. neighborhoods. Right. And I go, what's your territory? And I think they told me anything west of downtown. So Hollywood. And I was like, that's got to be hard because I can't think of a place where I would want a 7-Eleven. Right. And this person was like, it is hard. Yeah. Because uh, you, there's certain things that you need for a good 7-Eleven to happen. You need a lot of foot traffic. Right. Uh, if you don't have parking. Right. All these things. And so when I saw that that had become a 7-Eleven, I was like, well, that makes sense because I can't think of any other 7-Elevens around there. Right. No, it's a, it's a, it's probably a great location. Foot, COVID notwithstanding, foot traffic on the boulevard, no brainer. Well, and that's the other thing. That song was a hit. Oh, Jackson Brown's Boulevard? Absolutely. So Jackson Brown is writing about this. He was same... living in Echo Park. Jackson Brown was living in Echo Park. He was part of that whole Laurel Canyon, Eagles, you know, he, he they all hung out together. So yeah, he knew so, all. So of he shines the light on this place. Yeah. Most of us who were too young to right. know about this or who didn't live in town, yeah. are like on the boulevard. Okay, well, yeah. What could be any boulevard? Could right. be any town USA. And he specifically writes it. He never says Hollywood Boulevard. He calls it the Golden Cup. So he's he he's making it universal because every city has that boulevard where that shit's going down. So, so by the way, now yeah. we know that um, cross-dressing male prostitutes right. do their business on Santa Monica. Right. And Weezer has written about this. I didn't know that. <laughs> I think it's uh, in the Beverly Hills song. Okay. Um, that makes sense. And, uh, but it moved away from Hollywood Boulevard. But, but I want to ask you this, because when Hollywood and Highland was built... Oh, 1999-ish... The fear among among Los Angelinos, especially those of us who live in Hollywood, was this is the beginning of the end. Yep. Because we saw what happened in Santa Monica with the promenade. Yep. And and that mall. Right. 
So the promenade happened, and it made the mall kind of look bad. Yep. Well, Santa Monica Place, right. Which yep. they called Santa Monica Place. Yep. Um, and then they dolled that place up the last couple of years. Right. And it's, like, exquisite. Like, that yep. whole place is, like, but... It's all an evolution, right. But to the detriment of small businesses. Absolutely. So, like, the Midnight Special Bookstore is gone. Like, all these little mom-and-pop stores. Even, like, Woolmer, Woolworths is yeah. gone. Yeah. And, um... And so everybody was really nervous that Hollywood and Highland would do the same thing to Hollywood Boulevard. Right. And yet it did not. No, I mean... Not it, even close. No. It, Why? It blew it up. Well, Why do you think? I, I, think it's, I think it's tailor-made to the tourist trade. I think it's... You've got, you've got it right at the, the red line stop. You, you, are, you are just funneling this... It, it's like a blood supply. You get this endless amount of people that are coming into it. It's unique looking. You know, you got those elephants in the skyline framing the Hollywood sign. It's just telling that whole Hollywood story right there. So I've been there twice. I went once right after it opened. Only twice. Yeah. And once to like Lucky Strike to bowl. I would never, it's kind of like City Walk. I would never go to City Walk to go to City Walk. If I were going on the Universal Studios tour and afterwards I wanted to get something to eat i would go to city walk but to me hollywood and highland it has been a boon for the area it's been it it's been you know successful in that it's helped a lot of businesses you know proliferate but you're absolutely right i mean the cc browns that i was telling you about that whole building is gone it's a target now well that's that's where that was that's where cc browns was on the corner of where the you know, the building next to that target, Chuck Barris, the the auto uh, customizer, yeah, he had a Motorama museum in the seventies that had. So like you could see like the Batmobile and stuff there. The Batmobile, the Pink Panther mobile, the Monkeys mobile, the Munsters wagon. Um, he had what the the I went there several times. He had what he stated was the original Ford Bonnie and Klein car all shot up. <laughs> He had, you know, the Green Hornet that customized Lincoln Continental. Um, so, 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 yeah, the, the, you know, there, there's a lot of things that were but, that aren't now. So, I guess my question to you is, yeah. um, and by the way, it doesn't make it, it, it doesn't surprise me that you've only been there twice. <laughs> it's just not. Well, it's, it's not really for locals. It, that's exactly the point. It was not built to bring but, the but locals. But the fear in was was the rest of the street would become homogenized. That yeah. there'd be Abercrombie stores, that there'd yep. be just be the all grove. this. It'd be the Grove, right. It would be, it, yes, it would be a cheesy version of Hollywood. And yet, the stripper shoe stores are still there. Right. All these, like, cheesy t-shirt places, but crappy bars. They're, 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 they're subsisting on that environment. They're, they're, they are finding a way to survive with this kind of behemoth that's been dropped in the middle of their, their world. And it's, again... It's about the trade. It's about the flow of traffic. So where where do all the costume characters congregate? Do they congregate down, you know, in front of the old founder's school? No, they congregate Hollywood Island. That's where everyone goes. And and I would say this. The 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 gritty vibe of Hollywood Boulevard mm. that has been there since you were a kid. Right. Infested Hollywood and Highland. It's a cruddier mall than ever before. Right. Even the Dolby uh, Theater. Theater, right. Is not 
glistening and glimmering. In fact, outside of the Oscars, I don't think they really have an awful lot going on there, especially now that American Idol doesn't do the finale there. Right. Even across the street at the El Capitan and Jimmy Jimmy Kimball's stuff, there right. used to be a Hooters next door. Right. Like that's there, where the Seven Seas nightclub was too. Back in oh, the, was it really in the eighties? Great nightclub. But but I guess my point is is that some things you just cannot sterilize. No. Some things you just cannot scrub no. off. If, if the developers and their infinite lack of wisdom were saying, okay, this Hollywood and Highland thing, it's going to clean up everything. Hell no. You're not going to put this money machine, this 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 tourist magnet, and have the the underbelly, you know, avoid it. They're not going to go down to to Chick Fil A, <laughs> you know. They're not going to go over to Popeyes. They're going to go where the action is. So you can't put this this just beast 24/7 or however long it, it, it operates and expect it to be, you know, the, become this pristine. You know, unless you put it up on a hill where you can control it, like CityWalk, you know, charge 20 bucks to get in and park so you can go to have, have ribs or whatever. But, you know, so Hollywood and Highland, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the best of times. It's kind of like the worst of times. That's the end of that's the end of my Hollywood story. That's from say 13, 14, and 15. We moved to a little duplex okay. on Wilton Place and uh, basically two, three blocks from Paramount. Yeah. Before they built it all up, there used to be the Western Costume Company, like a six-story building on Melrose, which the the, the business still exists, but the building was torn down. Uh-huh. You used to be able to walk down Melrose before they built it all up, and they had that big blue sky backdrop that you could see from the street and a big tank that they could fill with water to film water scenes in. So it's like the quintessential kind of day of the locust scenario where the artifice of Hollywood is real. There's this beautiful expanse of blue sky going on forever just on the I gotta find some pictures of this. I used to go to, before it was Hollywood Forever Cemetery, it was Hollywood Memorial. And I would go to the Douglas Fairbanks Senior grave, you know, where he's entombed. Yeah which has a giant reflecting pool, and catch guppies, and bring the guppies home and breed the guppies and sell them to pet shops. <laughs> Look at you! Little entrepreneur. At 14 years old. That was, that was 14 years, and I was also a, a paper boy for the Herald Examiner. What? And my boss's name, and this is 1977, George Lucas, but not, not the George Lucas. Um, people who are listening to this now yeah. have hopefully listened yeah. to the other interviews that we've conducted they about damn Hollywood. better. And one of the women, Christina Ortega, hmm. talked about how much she loved the Hollywood Cemetery back in the day. I would haunt that place. I would get on my bike and just go to it and hang out, catch guppies, look for all the graves, go into the mausoleums. Now, she oh. was telling me that it was kind of run down. It was a trash joint. Yeah. Back in the 70s, very much like Hollywood. It had yet to experience the rebirth and the remarketing and the rebranding, and so it was. Yeah, it was a bit. You know, tombstones so was it, crooked. Was it was it extra scary to go in there then? I never went in at night. I, I kept it legal. I went during normal <laughs> business hours. Part of that because yeah, I, I think I would have been spooked if if I'd been in there at night. It 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 can be you know an, an a pretty awesome place, 
you know, when you see some of the memorials to some of the dead people that are buried there, yeah, yeah, you can you can imagine there's some, you know, lost souls. Well, around. and there's also some really big headstones there, and and yeah. um, there, there's one, and I don't know, you would expect it would be like Louis B. Mayer, yeah, or some mogul of like you know exponential proportions, but there's someone buried there in a crypt that's the size of a house. That's surrounded by a reflecting pool that's like a lagoon. Yeah. And and I used to go and just stare at that like, God, how do I get in there and just live there? I mean, it's got to, you talk about solving the homeless population. You could house 20 people in that place. Where does a teenage boy take his girlfriend in the 70s in Hollywood on a date? Pack a lunch, hoof it up the hill, go into the Hollywood Bowl, and we'd, we'd have to, you know, tell the coyotes to shush so we could hear them you know but but that's it there's always ways that if you want to explore the hills yeah. the urban landscape that you could find a way to get up against a fence where you could get a good ear line to whatever's playing at the hollywood bowl and and we're gonna we're gonna sound like two old men and maybe we are uh we are but when i first came to la um i think my first concert at the hollywood bowl was either Miles Davis with Dexter Gordon oh! or just Dexter Jealous. Gordon with somebody else. Jealous. And you're absolutely right. Even then, and we're talking mid-80s. Okay. The worst seats in the house, mm. I think we paid $5. Yeah. And, I mean, obvious legends. You talk about Blue Note. Oh. You know, and so, and and just like you're saying, we would pack, uh, I think we went to KFC. Right. <laughs> a whole bunch of fried chicken. Bring whatever you want. And you go up there, and I think that was the first time I smelled weed at a concert before. Yep. yep. Which was a delightful aroma. And that bowl is just one of a kind. Oh, it's treasure. It's an absolute treasure. I would, when you know, if I would bike recreationally and I was coming through the Cahuenga Pass, I just, on, on an off night, you know, you could just go to the bowl. And if you're lucky, they're rehearsing. And oh. you could just grab a seat for free and kick back and listen to them rehearse whatever they're going to be performing that night. Okay, so let's talk about these animals who, who you save, and God <laughs> bless you for that. Um, again, it's hard for me to believe that there's really just two of you. So, so, so let me now, ask now, now, keep in mind that government animal services, like Los Angeles City Animal Services, L.A. County, okay. hundreds of officers. Okay, all right, good. So we're not the only ones enforcing the animal cruelty laws in Hollywood, in Lancaster, in Boyle Heights. But we work, since we're not, you know, we, we often work in conjunction with a lot of other agencies because we have that, we actually have jurisdiction, we're state sworn. Okay. So if I got a call from a, from a department in Sacramento saying, we've got a, a dog fighting ring, can you help us out? We could, we could go help them out. So you've broken up some cockfighting? I, we, what we have done is we have gone with like the sheriff's department out in Palmdale, Lancaster, Lake Forest, Lake Los Angeles, and we have done search warrants on people who are breeding roosters, fighting roosters, and and so uh, you've never like had to like see a bunch of betters scatter because you approached. No, but prior to my arrival, I want to say like 2011, 2012, the officers at SPCALA did participate in one with like DEA and ATF where that exact thing happened. They, they busted people jumping over the wall. They confiscated something like $165,000 in cash at this property in, in like South LA. There's that much gambling going on. Oh, well, it's it's gambling, it's drugs, it's prostitution. What? It's it, Cockfighting is like a foundation crime that all these other things get- There's left. hookers at cockfights. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. William, you are it, teaching me some things illegal, today. Illegal, illegal. I don't know how this fits is into your food? Hollywood story. Is there tacos? Oh, is there sure. Burgers? Of course. There's, bur- there's, there's illegal booze. There's there's Illegal cookouts. booze. <laughs> that would be kind of lower on the totem pole. That would be like, okay, let's but, get. But when when you do press charges against people. That could you, be a part of it. Everything that's illegal you put on yeah. the, the list. Do you like The Clash? Of course. Do you know the song Career Opportunities? I I can't say off the top of my head. Do you want to make tea for the BBC? Do you really want to be? Do you really want to be a cop? Not only see this is why this is why you're dangerous because you're such a likable person. I'd probably, uh, you know, admit all of my wrongdoings to you. I, I've never had any suspect just totally say, "Man, I like you," and I'm going to tell you everything I've done wrong <laughs> to this animal. Look over there because we've got some <laughs> cockfighting going on in a couple pretty hookers. Yes. Park that I love. Amazing jewel of the city. Largest urban park in the I country. In, I right? think in North America. Yeah. 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 Uh, a gift from our friend Griffith. Griffith J. Griffith, J. Griffith who was a, quite a character from what I've read. Me too, and I want to read more I about. I think he him. tried to kill his wife or something like that, or his wife yeah. tried to kill him. He, he shot her in the, the yeah. head. Yeah. I think blinded I think he, her in an eye. Yeah. Went to jail. Went to Quentin. Yeah. Quentin. Yeah. Paid his way out. Yep. Um, I am told that I should stay away from Griffith Park at night because that's when the animals come out. And I'm not just talking about the one puma, but your friends, the coyotes. Sure. Are there other animals in there that I should be worried about? Oh, there's pretty much every, there are scorpions in Griffith Park. So you could go up and down the food chain. (laughs) Scorpions. I have been in Griffith Park. Actually, this was Elysian Park, but I'm sure they're in Griffith Park. And I've seen. I was on a night bike ride, and they're like, "Hey, look at this!" And it was a scorpion crossing the road. <laughs> Fucking scorpion! And, With and a top it, hat. <laughs> no, it was just a scorpion. And we a let big, it go. A good sized scorpion. Yeah, about a couple inches long, wow. and we just let it go on its way. But so, so in terms of number one, yeah, the park's closed after dark. I forget the hours of operation, but I think sundown, right? Yeah, technically sundown. So, so you are, um, you know, it, it it's time for the 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 wildlife to take back the park and have their say so going on a night hike you're probably going to be okay it's whatever creepy two-legged animals are, are wandering around the park that, oh there's some of them up there too in griffith park oh I, my god there's been satanic rituals people hanging in trees yeah there was a guy that, that, that there were some murders up there absolutely uh, over the last couple of years yeah, I Skulls think skulls found. Yeah, like a, like body parts found up up near uh, Bronson Canyon. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's that aspect. It's it's when, when someone tells me that they're afraid of a coyote or afraid of a bobcat or afraid of a mountain lion, which there could be a legitimate reason to be more afraid. If it's a healthy animal, it doesn't want you. It doesn't it doesn't want you, unless you're unless there's a cub, and it's protecting. It's the it's the human animals that are that are the wrecks. They're the ones that are just killing everything. They fuck everything up. They put they put rat poison out and they kill everything. You know? We pee in our own water. We we do. We do everything in our own water that we shouldn't. So yeah, it's that that's the that's the animal I would be more worried about at night up in there. Let's say I live in a one bedroom apartment yep. in Hollywood. Yep. How many cats can I have? I believe it's three. There or, or it might be four. Okay. 
the city was trying to up that to five, I think. Because at one point we had five cats. Why so, would the city want five cats in a one-bedroom apartment? Clear the shelters. Not necessarily a one-bedroom apartment, but a, call it a single-family home or a residence. Okay. Dog-wise, I think it's three. I can have three dogs in you, a one-bedroom apartment? Technically. Your your landlord would have super issues with that. But, but that's Is it a good the, idea to have three dogs in a one-bedroom apartment? Because no. the dogs need to exercise, right? And that's and that's the thing is that owning an animal, it's not like owning a phone. It's not like owning a, a television. You're owning you're owning a permanent what should be a permanent member of your family that when they do something wrong, you don't just kick them out in the street. Let me ask you about reptiles. Sure. Is there a number? Probably not. Prob- Interesting, huh? I mean, if all of a sudden, if I like got another red-eared slider and it made. 30 more and all of a sudden I've got 60 red ears and and I wasn't keeping them clean and all of a sudden my neighbors are like that smell is like shit let's call someone about someone might come in and go yeah you got way too many red eared sliders going on here but I don't think I think animals that well you're the person you're the person that would come right no that would be animal control that would be animal services so let explain I, I would well so so I'm a humane officer I enforce the laws relating to animal cruelty so Tethering a dog, beating a dog, not you know, uh, having an injured dog that you're not getting proper care for, um, neglecting an animal. But there's all sorts of city statutes. The city says you can only have three dogs. city says you can only have four cats, maybe five. Maybe you can have 60 turtles. So that's enforced by the city agency, which is uh, LA Animal Services. <laughs> it up with bikes. Okay. Um, I'm driving a car. Yes. How should I be a good person on the roads of Hollywood? How should you share the road, be willing to share the road yes. better? I say it's a combined effort. One of my driving thoughts, especially in the world we're living in right now, where crime is on the increase, the one way I deal with everyone on the street, pedestrian, bicyclist, scooter rider, Everyone's got a gun. Everyone's got a gun. That person's got a gun, and that person's having a really bad day right now. So if that person cuts me off, whether it's me on my bike and they right hook me, or whether they're pulling out in the lane, you know, making me slam on the brakes, it's okay. If if I'm riding my bike, right, should I use all these dorky hand signals? Do people even know what those are? I don't know anymore. I do. Okay. Right, left, stop. Okay. I use them. I don't use the stop so much because I'm not typically in the lane, but I'll definitely signal if, especially if I got to get over to a left turn lane, I'll signal left. I'll get over as quickly as I can. You won't find me just loitering in the number one or number two lane. Should I wear a camera on top of like a GoPro kind of thing I, on my helmet? All, I, since I started riding in my latter adult years, so circa 2005, I've always had a camera. I, you know, I, number one, I like to document the rides. I like to document my city. And so I'll time-lapse stuff. So every one frame a second and I'll wind up with like a little five-minute film. But you never know what you're going to need evidence to protect. And now in my time-lapsings, would I be able to pick up getting creamed by a bus? No, there'd be one frame of me upright and there'd be one frame of me down. (laughs) So it wouldn't really tell the story. 
But I've also, because now I have an e-bike. My, all my bikes were stolen a couple years ago out of my garage. What? Assholes hit the whole neighborhood. They hit like eight different houses. Wow. They, their, their MO was to crack open garage doors, go in there, get bikes. Mm. And I had two bikes locked up. They almost got my e-bike, but I had it locked up with a second lock. They couldn't get defeat. So my e-bike now, mm, it's a pretty looking thing. And, and <laughs> that, so, so I've actually had people like crossing, you know, sketchy looking dudes. Because when I bike to work now, I go, I'll either go, you know, down through L.A. Or I'll go all the way through downtown and come back along Jefferson. So I'm, you know, encountering some, you know. You'll, you'll go further because it'll help you out on the hills. No, I go further because I like to ride. When's the last time you, you wanted to get nine miles across the city in a car and you took the long way? No, in a car, you take the short way. On a bike, you find shit. You meet people, good and bad. So I'd love to, I'd love to extend my ride, especially on the e-bike where, you know, it's pedal-assisted. So I can get up hills a lot easier. But even when I was riding the analog bikes, just the single speeders or whatever, I, I, would, I would always, when I, when I could, if I wasn't totally bushed at the end of the day, I would like to take a long way home. You're, you're, maybe it's the beers we're drinking. These, <laughs> I don't these, know. Uh, Budweiser doesn't pack too much of a punch. <laughs> but you're kind of convincing me because I went to um, two Cubs Dodgers games uh, the other day. Right, right. And you paid $20 for parking. On one of the days I paid $20 to park. And uh, the other day I drove as far as I could and then got off and took the bus. But then the bus turned left on Alvarado. Instead of going oh. through Echo Park, oh, and I okay. didn't really know where it was going to go, so I just got off and walked the I rest. Had to walk up the rest of the way. Which is fine. I could use a couple yeah. steps. But you're convincing me I needed an e-bike because taking the e-bike to Dodger Stadium oh. has got to be a dream. The last game I attended um, two years ago, rode my e-bike up. The The hardest part is that I try. I, I wasn't going to leave my battery. The battery is the most expensive part of the bike. Battery to replace is about 750 bucks. Yeah. So so I brought the battery with me. Well, you can guess what kind of reception I got from security walking in with this, you know, pipe bomb or whatever they thought it was. They were they were looking over, sniffing it, shaking it. They're like, well, why don't you just leave it on the bike? And I told them, I said, because it'll get stolen. It's a, it's a battery. Even though you're probably parked right by the front gate? I don't. I, I, I adopt the same philosophy with leaving a bike unattended as I do on the road. I'm only as safe as the least equipped thief. And nowadays, they got power, they got battery-powered grinders that can cut through a U-lock in a minute, in a minute. So uh, the, most op uh, the, the best equipped thief that, that sees the opportunity, he could get my bike in a second. He could pry the battery off. There's no, there's a lock to the battery. They're going to do that right next to the, 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 the ticket takers? Maybe not. But I'm not going to risk it. you're playing it safe. I'm not going to risk it. I put all sorts of locks on my bike. Well, here's what I suggest. My wife's got an e-bike, too. So here's what I suggest. I say, at some point in the near future, when you're feeling up to it, doesn't have to be to go to a Dodger game, but if you want to take a, a tour around Hollywood Silver Lake on these e-bikes, I'll power up the batteries. We'll, we'll change the seat so you can fit on it. You get a sense of what it's like. You're going to love it. No, no, no. I, I've taken one of these Metro e-bikes. E-bikes, right. Which they're amazing. I'm sure your wife's is better, but but even, they're amazing. Even this thing, they're amazing. It's cheap, right? Um, it does do the work for you yep. when you want to, right? Which is all the time, right? But still, the the commute from anywhere in Hollywood to Dodger Stadium 
is going to be rough. Even even through the, the Sunset Junction, yeah. there's traffic. You're never going to avoid the traffic. But I can on a bicycle. Well, oh, you mean the back, like the gridlock? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so. Oh, there's nothing. Like I'm probably going to get there a lot faster. Absolutely. You could leave a lot later and get there a lot. Quicker. Do they charge me for parking? Nope. That is awesome. That's the whole thing. So, so you just wave as you go. You, you, you know, like the the main stadium, the the Vince Scully Way entrance. You go to the right. Hey, go right through. You don't need a ticket. And then ticket. you park right where you can. I. They they have the only the only uh, racks I know of are at the top deck. And that's usually where I watch a game. Fine. But I'm sure they've got racks positioned around the whole stadium. William, this has been a pleasure. It ha- I really appreciate it. You I've taught really appreciate me a lot. I think that... Uh, we, the- we could probably go on for hours. Yes, we could. <laughs> and we will one day. Hey. Maybe at a ball game. Here in L.A. is enriched by the generosity of our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly. Thank you for helping make all of this possible. Go to hereinla.com to find out how easy it is for you to be a Patreon. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and the one man the Cubs did not trade away, thank God, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. We usually put out new episodes every Monday and Thursdays, And we have a detailed corresponding blog that goes with each and every interview that can be found at hereinla.com. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me to do this in Kim and Oz's backyard, Jordan for joining forces with me, and everyone for being cool that we had to take a mental day on Thursday. Free Britney! Free Britney!